You ever have one of those situations where you're out and about somewhere and you see someone or something out in the distance and, and you think you know what it is, but then it turns out to be something different? Maybe it was when you were single and you saw like a, a guy or a girl, they were out there in the distance and you're like, oh, hello. I mean, about the right height, right hair color, the, the type of build that you like. And you're like, I'm going to go over there and I'm going to meet this person. Then you get up close to them and you go, she is ugly. Or, oh my goodness, he, he like smells like a trash can. Oh, goodness. And, and so, it, you know, getting, getting closer, it was like, oh, that, that's, that's bad. Or maybe it was at a restaurant. You, you were there and, and across the restaurant, you see a waiter with a tray. He's taking out the food to somebody else. And you're like, that looks really good. And so you ask your waiter or your waitress, you're like, hey, what was that that just went by there? And they tell you what it is, and you're like, yeah, that's, that's what I want. And then you get it, and you like look at it or the smell of it or maybe even that first taste of it. You're like, oh, this is disgusting. I shouldn't have ordered this. Or I know Lisa and I, we've had these experiences in the past where we've been like looking for a new house, and so we'll be driving down the road, and we see, oh, that, that house looks interesting, and it's for sale, so let's get online, and let's look at some pictures, and we look at the pictures of it online, and it looks okay online, and so we call our realtor, and we're like, hey, we want to go see this house, and then you go in, and it's like, oh, no, I mean, I mean, we've had a couple of those that, like, the pictures online look incredible, like, and, and outside, it looks incredible. You get inside, and, like, immediately, it's like, no, this isn't happening, but yet you drug your realtor all the way out for that, and so you feel sort of obligated to at least walk through for a little while. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I see some heads going up and down. Those of you in chat, maybe you've had the exact same experience. Or, or maybe for you it was this thing. Have you ever had a, a thing where you're maybe at the mall, and you see like somebody that you know out in the, the distance in the mall, and you're like going through the mall, hey, hey, hey. And then you keep getting closer and you realize, oh, that's not my friend. And now you just look like a complete idiot to this like complete stranger that's right there in front of you. Well, what I'm trying to say to you, what I'm trying to get you to understand is distance changes our perspective on things. In each one of those examples that I gave you, at a distance you thought you saw one thing, but then when you got closer, it turned out to be something bad or something different than what you thought. Here's my, here's my concern. I think a lot of people end up doing the same thing with Jesus. That to them, Jesus is sort of this distant God. He's sort of out there a little bit. And it keeps them from seeing the real Jesus. Now again, in the examples I gave, everything was worse when you got close. But when it comes to Jesus, the closer you get to him, the better things become, the better picture you have of who he is, who God is, and the better it's going to be for your life. And so today we're beginning a brand new series called Follow Me. Jesus said to his disciples, and he's saying to you and I, to those of you online there, he's saying, follow me. Just get as close as you can to me. Follow me in everything that I do, every step that I take. Just be right there by me. But again, my concern is so many people, including some of you, are content with a long-distance view of Jesus, following sort of at a distance. And that's got to change. And so that's why we're doing this brand new series.
you got a Bible, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 19. For those of you that are watching online, welcome here today. There's a little button that's popping up right there in the upper right-hand corner called Talk Notes. If you push that, that's going to take you to all the scriptures we're going to be looking at today. Those of you that are live with us here in the room, welcome you as well. Go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 19 by going on your smartphone or Actually, if you have an actual Bible, I mean, you know, some people actually carry Bibles still, right? Uh, But most people anymore, you're using the digital technology. You can pull out your phone, go to our website, exponential.church. Not only are you going to be able to find the scriptures, but you get all the talk notes that we're going to be uh, discussing there as well. Now, for some of you that are really, really observant, you're going, wait a second, Gilbert. Didn't we just do Luke 19 a couple weeks ago? And if you're saying that, congratulations, gold star for you. (laughs) Jim, you cheat, you get to see the notes beforehand. <laughs> now, Luke 19, we actually did look at it a couple weeks ago in the, uh, the previous series that we did called Love Has a Name. It's a story of Zacchaeus. And what we did uh, when we covered it in week one of the series was we looked at the story of Zacchaeus from Zacchaeus' standpoint. And we only covered really half of the story. Today, I want to go back and I want to look at it from Jesus' perspective, and we'll cover the entire thing that happens. Actually, I had that backwards. The first week we looked at, or the uh, last time we did it from Jesus' perspective. Today we're going to look at it from Zacchaeus' perspective. So let's uh, jump right in. We'll look at the part that we looked at a couple weeks ago. Luke 19, verses 1 to 7. We read this. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. As Jesus arrived under the tree, he looked up and he said, Zacchaeus, hurry up and get down from there. I want to go to your home and be your guest. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Again, that's where we left off a couple weeks ago. And with that, we learned the importance of you got to learn people's names, you got to learn their stories, you need to really listen to them. But again, what we're going to do today now is we're going to look at it, how did Zacchaeus respond to this whole thing? So we'll continue on in verses 8 to 10. Later at his home, Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, I will give half of my property to the poor, and I will now pay back four times as much to everyone I have ever cheated. Jesus said to Zacchaeus, Today you and your family have been saved because you are a true son of Abraham. For I, the son of man, came to seek and to save those who are lost. Now let me remind you of what we talked about a couple weeks ago and that Zacchaeus was hated. He was hated because he was a tax collector. He was ripping off his fellow Jews. He was collecting more taxes than what he should have. He was in cahoots with the Romans. And so the the Jews, they hated him for this. And so his assumption was that Jesus, like everybody else, would want nothing to do with him. Zacchaeus thought that the best he could hope for was this distant relationship with Jesus. And even then, it wasn't really a relationship. He had gone out that day more for observation than for interaction. Let me say that again. That day, when Jesus climbed that, or when Zacchaeus climbed that sycamore fig tree, he did it more for observation than interaction. He didn't think that Jesus would want to have anything to do with someone like himself. Nobody else did. 
But much to his surprise, not only does Jesus know his name, not only does Jesus defend him there in that moment, but Jesus says, I want to come over to your house. And so he goes over to the house and it's there that Zacchaeus' life is changed. He's forgiven of his sin and his whole life changes forever. Again, Zacchaeus, he didn't want to observe. He wanted an interaction. He just didn't think it was available to him. My fear is that's what many of us are doing. Many of us have become content with observing Jesus instead of actually having a relationship, an interaction with Jesus. And that's sad. Again, that's not what Zacchaeus wanted, but he thought a notorious sinner like himself couldn't have anymore. But Jesus gave it to him, and Jesus will give you the exact same thing as well. When Jesus went from being a a distant rumor of just being stories that Zacchaeus had heard about, his life was transformed. And Jesus wants that for you. He doesn't want just this distant relationship. He doesn't want you just to observe him from afar. He wants you to get close. He says, follow me. Get close to me. Come close to me. And the closer you get, the more your life will be transformed and changed. Again, that's what happens for Zacchaeus. This one single encounter with Jesus turns him from a lying, cheating, stingy, tax-collecting you know, scumbag that we talked about a couple weeks ago into this forgiven, generous, like, you know, giver now. That same transformation that happened to Zacchaeus can happen for you. The reason I know that is that it happens over and over and over for others as they encounter Jesus in Scripture. And we know from the last 2,000 years that more and more the people get close to Jesus, the more their lives are transformed and changed. And our tendency as humans is we want to keep God at a safe distance. But yet Jesus is saying, draw near to me and I will draw near to you as well. And everything will change. Which leads me to the the big thought for today. And actually, I was thinking about it. This isn't just the big thought for today. This is the big thought for all of life. So if you're taking notes, make sure that you get this online. Make sure you're writing this down or you got the talk notes out. Here it is, our big thought for the day. God loves me and wants to be in a close, personal relationship with me. Let me say that again. God loves me and wants to be in a close, personal relationship with me with me. If you want the the Reader's Digest version of Scripture, if you want the cliff notes of the Bible, right there it is. God loves me and wants a close, personal relationship with me. I just summed up a pretty big book in just a couple few words. God loves me, wants a close, personal relationship with me. Even more than he wants your obedience, God wants your heart. And the reason I know that is because God's heart beats fast for you. God wants a relationship with you more than you even want a relationship with Him. God God is passionate about you. You ever been in a conversation before where you can all of a sudden tell that the person you're talking to wants to be anywhere else but in the conversation with you? You know what I'm talking about? 
their eyes become glassy, or maybe they, they start, they're like looking around for like, who else could I have a conversation with? Or their body language just is screaming, please, are we done this yet? Listen to me. God has never, ever felt that way about you. Every single time that, that you try to draw near to him and say, God, I want to be in relationship with you. I want to have a conversation with you in prayer. I want to get into your word. Every single time that you do that, God leans in. You have his attention. He's not bored with you. He's not trying to get out of a conversation with you. He wants to, to go deeper in the conversation. He wants to go deeper in the relationship that he has with you. And that's good news for us. That's great news, in fact. And it doesn't matter who you are. He still wants that with you. You know, one of the greatest examples we have of this is Jesus as he's there hanging on the cross. He's dying on the cross and the, the mental anguish that he's going through and the physical anguish that he's going through, unbelievable, beyond human words. But yet in that moment, Jesus, God in the flesh, is still building relationships. You don't remember the story. Jesus is there hanging on the cross between two thieves. And by all accounts, these two thieves, they deserve the punishment that they were getting. One of the thieves, he starts like mocking Jesus and screaming at Jesus, berating him. He's saying things like, if you're really God, save yourself. But the other thief has a, has a different response. Let's look at it in Luke chapter 23, verses 40 to 43. We read this. But the other criminal told the first one off. Don't you fear God? Aren't you getting the same punishment as this man? We got what was coming to us, but he didn't do anything wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I promise that today you will be with me in paradise. I mean, that whole exchange, that's just pure Jesus right there. This is so typical of him. Not only does he listen to the man, but then he responds back and he, he draws him in to a relationship even despite all of his hurt and pain that Jesus was going through, when the man says, hey, is there any chance you would remember someone like me when you get into your kingdom? Could, could you do something like that? And I want you to notice that, that Jesus doesn't go, oh, buddy, I'm going to remember you all right. I'm going to remember all the hurt and the pain that you caused other people. Yeah, you're going to get what's coming to you. I'm going to remember you. That isn't what Jesus does. And Jesus doesn't take sort of a, a little bit of a softer approach and go, well, you know, okay, I'll remember you, but the line is going to be pretty long. And, you know, for somebody like you, you're going to have to get to the back of the line. You know, once all the kids get in and, and all the nice little old church ladies, they all get in and all the other people, once they get in, then maybe you've got a shot of getting in. But Jesus doesn't do that either. Now, what does Jesus say to him? He says, today you will be with me in paradise. 
And I've shared this with you before. If you had to, to sort of summarize all of Jesus' ministry philosophy with just two words, it would be those two words, be with. Be with. That, that's Jesus' entire plan, the be with plan. He says, follow me and be with me. Just be with me. Again, I said it earlier, even more than he wants your obedience, he just wants you to be with him. He wants to have a relationship with you, a close, personal, intimate relationship. See, Jesus wants to be with you on your good days. Jesus wants to be with you on your bad days. Jesus wants to be with you when you're, you're feeling spiritually on a high. Jesus wants to be with you even in the midst of your brokenness and your sin. Jesus wants to be with you now. Jesus wants to be with you for all of eternity. Again, our big thought is God loves me. Jesus loves me and wants to be in a close, personal relationship with me. And that's not just a cliche. That's not just even a, a theological concept. No, that's the very heart of God. He wants to be with you and only through Jesus can that happen. The Apostle Paul writes this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13. Now through Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You see, Jesus' death on the cross didn't just give you access to a, a get-out-of-hell-free card. No, it gives you access to a close, personal relationship with Jesus right here and right now. But the sad truth, as I said earlier, is so many people are settling for a distant relationship. Keeping it at arm's distance. But that's not why Jesus died. Jesus died so that you could get close to Him and not stay far away. He wants you to draw near. And so what I want to do for the rest of today's message is I want to give you the sort of the remedy for why it is you know, that we're staying at a distance and what we can be doing about that. So let's start with a couple reasons. Why, why do a lot of people settle for that, that arm's length, that, that distant relationship with Jesus where we can't quite tell who Jesus is. Well, here's the first one if you're taking notes. Number one, I often keep God at a distance because of how I see myself. You know, Zacchaeus had gotten wealthy as a tax collector, but that came at the expense of ripping off his fellow Jews. He was no longer welcome in the synagogue. He, he thought that, you know what, when it comes to God, when it comes to religious things, I'm just no longer welcome. That the only thing I can do is have a distant relationship with God. The only thing I can do is observe Jesus from afar. Because God wouldn't want to have anything to do with somebody like myself. And, and this may actually explain why Zacchaeus didn't use his wealth and his influence to try to, to have a, like, a meeting with Jesus personally. I mean, he, he probably could have done that, right? He could have said, hey, look who I am, and here, here's money. I'll give money to your ministry if I can have a personal audience with you. But Zacchaeus didn't do that. Why? Because again, he just assumes that Jesus wouldn't want to have anything to do with him. That God doesn't want to have anything to do with them. And so he settles for something from afar. Again, that's where many people are today. Because of your guilt, because of your shame, because of things that you have done in your past, because of your brokenness that you have today, you want to hide from God instead of getting close to God. 
You know, I think that's just probably human instinct. Isn't that what Adam and Eve did? The very first sin, they're in the Garden of Eden. When they sin, what do they do? They, they run and hide from God. They hide from God instead of running to the God who can help them in their hurt. And we've got to learn a, a lesson from that. Don't run from God. Don't hide from Him. Run to Him. Draw near to Him. And he'll draw near to you as well. But we like to run and hide. You know who loves it when we run and hide? Satan does. He just reinforces that, yep, that's the right behavior. You, you should just run and hide. Or he'll say things like, well, you know, what you're doing, it, it really isn't all that bad. It'll be okay. You know, just, just keep that, that distance from God. Or he goes to the opposite extreme. And he says, your sin is so bad that God could never, ever forgive you for what you've done. E either way, we're, we're keeping God at a distance. And we can't do that. So don't run and hide. Thief on the cross. He decides, I, I can't hide anymore. I, I'm just going to I'm just going to try to draw near and see if there's any chance that Jesus would want to have anything to do with someone like me. Even though he had plenty of reasons to doubt his value and his worth, in this last-ditch effort, he cries out, Jesus, will you remember me? And Jesus says, yes, today you will be with me in paradise. Here's the second reason, then, that we often keep our distance from God, and that is I often keep distance from God because of how I see Jesus. If in your mind, Jesus is somebody that's always against you and not for you, I could see why you would want to keep a distance. Nobody wants to be around somebody that's constantly berating you, that's constantly condemning you, that's constantly looking down on you. You don't want that. And so if you have this faulty view of Jesus because you've been keeping a distance from him, you haven't gotten up close to see that, no, he loves you. He has grace. He has mercy. Then it makes sense that you would keep at a distance. But that's not who Jesus is. That's not who God the Father is. God the Father loves you and says, I don't care what you've done. I want you to come home. Get closer to me. I mean, think about it. Isn't that the story of the prodigal son? I'm not going to read it to you here today, but if you remember, the, the story is about this, this young son who basically says to his father, I wish you were dead. Go ahead and give me my share of the inheritance right now. And so the father gives him all the money. And this young kid, he, he goes off into the big city and he blows it all on sex and drugs and alcohol and, and you name it. It's just like he, he's just living this wild life. And he blows all the money. And eventually he, he gets to the point where he's homeless and he's like looking at the pigs in the field going, these pigs are eating better than I am. And he's like, you know what? Maybe I should just go back home. And I don't deserve to be my father's son anymore. I'll go home and, and I'll just beg him, can I at least be your slave? Because at least then I'd have food to eat. I mean, these pigs are eating better than me. At least I'd have something to eat. So he decides that he's going to go back home, even though he knows that he doesn't deserve to be a son anymore. 
And I'm going to actually read one of the verses from the story here. Luke 15, 20. So he went at once to his father. While he was still at a distance, his father saw him and felt sorry for him. He ran to his son, put his arms around him, and kissed him. The father in that moment not only forgives his son, but he restores all the rights and privileges of being his son back to him and throws a huge feast for him. It's an amazing, amazing story. This son is restored to the father. That's the story of Zacchaeus. A son being restored to the father. That's the story of the thief on the cross. A son being restored back to the father. And that can be your story as well. And for those of you online, that can be your story. A son or a daughter of the king being restored back to who it is that you should be. Yes, God isn't pleased with our sin. He hates sin. But your sin could never drive you so far away from you or from him that he wouldn't invite you back into his family. Yeah, we get lost along the way. But my favorite part of the story here is the verse that I just read. That when the father saw his, dis, uh, his son in the distance, making even the slightest effort to return back home, what does it say that the father did? The father ran to greet him. Now, once you put yourself in the, the shoes of the prodigal for a second, he's blown everything that his father had given him. And now he's come to this conclusion, I'm going to go back and I'm going to beg to be a slave. And he has in his mind, my father's going to be angry. My father's going to be judgmental. My father's going to be harsh. But I'm at least going to take this chance that maybe he'll allow me to be his slave. So that's what he's thinking. And so he's returning home. And so his father sees him at a distance, which means that the son saw the father at a distance as well. And he sees that this is my father and he is running towards me. At a distance, he isn't sure what his father's intentions are. Again, he's blown everything. His father has heard the rumors of what's going on in the city. In his mind, he probably thinks, dad's coming to kill me. Literally. But as his father gets closer and closer and closer, all of a sudden, he can see the expression on his father's face. That it's tears of joy and this huge smile that this son of mine that was lost has now returned and he throws a big hug around him. Listen again, I don't care what you've done. I don't care how far from God you have gotten. It's never too late to return home to Him. And if you'll make even the slightest bit of effort to start to return back, guess what? God the Father, Jesus the Son, the Holy Spirit, they come charging at you, smile on their face, tears streaming down their eyes, that this lost son, this lost daughter of mine wants to come home again. Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. 
Jesus says, follow me. Don't, don't stay at a distance. Follow me. Come close. Come towards me and I'll come close to you as well. That's the gospel message. Again, our, our big thought for the day that God loves me and wants a close, personal relationship with me. That's really where it starts. That's what it's all about. Revelation 3.20, Jesus says this, Listen, I stand at the door and knock. If any hear my voice and open the door, I will come into their house and eat with them, and they will eat with me. You know, many people assume that when we're reading here about, you know, that Jesus standing at the door of our heart and that, you know, we're to open up the door of our heart and let him in and stuff, that it's just simply that, okay, I open up the door, Jesus hands me my get out of hell free card, and then Jesus is off to the next heart, the next house. But that's not what Jesus says here. He says, if you open up your heart, I will come in and eat with you and you with me. That's the story of Zacchaeus. What did Jesus say to him? Zacchaeus, come down because I want to do what? I want to come to your house. I want to have a relationship with you. Think about what it takes to invite somebody to your house. Think about the type of relationship that you have. You know, when you go out and you're just casually just hanging out with some people, that's one thing. To take it a step further, maybe you say to somebody, hey, let's actually go get a cup of coffee at Starbucks. That's taking it a little bit deeper. But for you then to say, hey, come to my home and eat a meal with me, that's a, an even deeper relationship. When you invite somebody in, and that's what Jesus is saying here, invite me in because I want to have this, this close personal relationship with you. But it's your choice. Notice that at this point, here on the earth, it's that we're inviting Jesus into our home, our heart. It's us making the decision that I want the close personal relationship. And if we'll do that, ultimately, when death comes, he says, now I'm inviting you into my home forever. But you have a choice to make. It's up to you. Are you going to draw close to him or not? I'll conclude with James 4.8. And I've been saying it over and over and over again throughout today, these words, but it's actually been from Scripture. Here's what James, the brother of Jesus, says. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Again, this series is called Follow Me. And what it's going to be out, uh, about throughout this entire series is what does it mean to follow closely to Jesus? What does that look like here in 2021 to follow Jesus? I wanted to start with the very basics today. That following Jesus is something you don't do from a distance. It's something that you get right up close and personal with him. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, you draw near to him and he's going to draw near to you. And like for Zacchaeus, like for the thief on the cross, like for the prodigal son, all of a sudden, everything is going to start to change for you. And so if you've never started a relationship with Jesus, today's the day to do that. You pray and you ask for his forgiveness. You ask for his leadership in your life. But I have a feeling that many of you here in the room, many of you online, you've already prayed that prayer before. You've already asked for that. But you've been content with this get out of hell free card. And what I'm saying to you today is don't settle 
for a distant relationship with Jesus anymore. It's time to draw near, to get close, to follow him. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you do want us to be close to you. That we don't just have to observe you from a distance, but you want to interact with us. And so, Lord, I, I pray that as these uh, uh, continuing weeks of this series go on, that we would learn just the, the practical things that we can be doing to draw nearer and nearer and nearer to you, to, to be right up there with you, to be one of your disciples, that following you no matter where you may go. But Lord, it all starts with just the desire of our own hearts to say, Jesus, I want to be closer. And so today I'm taking a next step to get closer to you. And then actually not just thinking that next step, but actually in obedience, acting upon it. And Lord, we are so thankful that you say that if we will do that, if we'll take that next step, you're going to take a giant leap towards us, that you're going to run towards us. Because there's nothing that you want more than this close, intimate, personal relationship with us. So, Father, help us to open up the door of our heart to you. Whether it's for the very first time or it's us saying, you know what, Jesus, this time it's for real. This time I am I'm selling out. I am 100% yours. We know that Jesus, you'll accept us, even in our sinfulness, all the, the mistakes that we've made in the past. You still say, no, I, I want to I have dinner with you. I want a relationship with you. I want to be with you. Jesus, thank you that that is your plan, the, the be with plan. So help us to be with you and help us to understand that we grow even better when we are with others, that, our, that, that, that your plan becomes our plan as well, the, the be with plan, that we have other brothers and sisters in Christ that are around us to help us in our journey. So Lord, again, be with us now. Whatever the next step it is that you're calling us to take, help us to take it in obedience. I pray all this in your great, precious, and holy name, the name of Jesus. Amen.